Speaking of Israel, we have the pleasure and privilege of hearing from Rabbi Yudin today from the Holy Land. How incredible is that? Reminder, candle lighting at 4.36 on this Erev Shabbos Parsha Zisro. And this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Well, for you, it's good morning, and for me, it's good afternoon. Almost Shabbos in Beit Shemesh. And like the name is, the sun is shining here. This week, we have the privilege of reading Parshas Yisro. According to the Chinuch, there are 14 and 3, 17 mitzvos, 3 positive mitzvos, and 14 mitzvos. Losa say, thou shalt not. Before I even discuss something from Parshas Yisro, I just want to share with you a delicious Gemara in Sanhedrin 98a. And the Gemara says, if you want to know, comes along Rabbi Abba, when is it that we are approaching the end of our exile and the time of the redemption? So Rav Abba says, There's no clearer sign of our approaching that time. Namely, and he cites a verse from Yechezkel, Ezekiel, chapter 36, talking about Hare Yisrael, the mountains of Israel, Antechem Titenu, your branches, you shall give piryachem tisu your fruits you shall bear la'ami Yisrael to my people Israel who are coming not just because yesterday was two bishvat we had the privilege of eating fruits from Eretz Yisrael but the economy of the land and the land producing as it does is a very sign of a divine wink that we are privileged to see today in Eretz Yisrael. And amazing, this connection between the land and the Torah of our people was even seen approximately a month ago in that very famous snowstorm that hit the country and literally shut down cities and Shomron, etc. If you look on the day when the snowstorm came, it corresponded to the Dafyomi, which had the very famous story of Hillel on Friday night, and the snow came Thursday night and Friday night, exactly the way the Talmud tells us in Tkufas, Teves in the month and the season of Teves, and Hillel was, as we know, covered and blanked by the snow, and as he came down and brought a great, fresh excitement, leadership to our people, we pray that that's exactly the times in which we are living today. In this week's parsha of Yisro, we have the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments 
can be looked upon, interestingly, as part of the process of conversion that the Jewish nation underwent. We learn that a convert has to, A, undergo mila, circumcision, which the men did prior to coming to Sinai, tevila, going to the mikvah, which the entire nation did prior to the revelation in Sinai, and finally, nasevenishma, the acceptance of mitzvot, what we did at Sinai, that's what the ger has to do. And in addition, the Talmud tells us, we can't expect the ger, the potential convert, to become an authority on all 613. So we do, we tell them some of the kalos and the chamuros, some of the easier mitzvot and some of the more challenging ones. And the rabbis tell us that the Ten Commandments represent this kind of cross-section of our Torah, of some of the easier and more challenging mitzvot. And I would even suggest that you bring the Chumash to the night, to the table tonight, open it up, and discuss at your dinner table which ones of the Ten Commandments would you categorize as the easier ones, and which one would you categorize as a more challenging one, difficult one? I'd like to focus for a moment on the last of the Ten Commandments. Lo sachmot, you are not to covet, which the next one has. You're not to desire. Eat. How can the Torah ask of a, a, a something which is almost against our nature? You live in one kind of a house or apartment, and you come to somebody else's, which seems to be a bit more lavish and spacious and luxurious, and you say to yourself, wait a second, why does that person have this kind of a house? Is he really that much better than I am? Does he deserve it more than I And perhaps you could say that it's almost a natural reaction on the part of the person to covet and to desire. How could the Torah ask us something which is almost contrary to the very nature of man? And I believe an answer is found in the comment of the Rikanti, who on this last commandment, tells you to and reminds us of the verse in Tehillim, Psalms 119. And there in Tehillim, Kufiates, which goes alphabetically, and you have eight verses of each of the letters. When it comes to the letter Chaf, he says, Kol mitzvosecha emuna, all your Mitzvos are emuna, literally trustworthy, or in this case here, he's saying are based upon emuna. In other words, how can we accept the Tenth Commandment? If you accept the First Commandment, the First Commandment is to believe that there is a God. If you believe that there is a God, and God creates each person, 
each person has a different tafkid. Each person looks differently. Each person's sets of genes are different. Each person's mission is different. Then we have to believe that accordingly, God gives each person what they need to actualize their potential. And therefore, what one person has, which is good for them, is just that, good for them. You might think that it would be good for you as well, but the first commandment tells us that Father knows best, the God who is a Venu, Malkinu, our Father, our King, He knows best, and therefore, if He gave Ashiras, wealth, to one person, it's because that person needs that in order to help them develop themselves, and the next-door neighbor who might not have it, it's because for him it would not be good. The famous story of a person who visited the Chafetz Chaim, and the Chafetz Chaim asked him how he was doing in his parnasa, in his livelihood. And the person answered the Chafetz Chaim, Ken Zain Besser. It could be better, Rebbe. And the Chafetz Chaim said, Nein, not so. The way it is, that's the good. And that's the way it's supposed to be. <coughs> and very possibly, if it was better, it wouldn't be better for you. Now this is a very powerful concept. I can tell you to take a peek in the Gemara Sota, 9A at the bottom. So the Sota is talking about, in the context of the Gemara, the suspected adulteress, who, she went after someone who was not fit for her. And therefore, that which she wanted, she didn't was not given to her. But more than that, that which she had already, was taken from her. Why, says the Talmud? If a person focuses on desiring that which is not his, so not only are they not given that which they want, but oftentimes that which they have is taken away. And the Talmud brings a proof interestingly, from Nochash HaKadmoni, from literally the serpent, who in the garden, unfortunately, wanted Chava, desired Chava, and was looking that Adam should eat from the tree and die, and therefore he'd be able to uh, have Chava. Now watch. We know that the Nochash, the snake, was given the punishment that aside from walking on the legs which he had, he would now crawl on his belly, but literally, you are to eat dust all the days of your life. Now, what kind of a punishment is that? People ask. There's an abundance of dust and dirt and earth for the snake. So the traditional answer, the standard answer that's given is, God was saying to the snake, here, I'm giving you a lifelong supply of 
food, I am severing any and all relationship with you. But now, the Gemara is taking it on an additional level. What was the sin of the Nachash? The sin of the Nachash of the snake was a violation of Emuna. Once again, he didn't have faith in God. Not satisfied with what God had given him, he coveted the woman, wanted more. So what was the punishment that God gives him? Once again, if Emuna represents the Kesher, the relationship, now that relationship is being broken between God and the Nochash. A very powerful concept emerges from this week's Parsha of Parshas Yisro. And to what may it be compared? Think about it for the moment. My neighbor is doing well on a particular drug. It would be nothing less than folly for you to please start taking that drug because what is good for them we can very well appreciate in the physical sense is not going to be good for you. And what's true in that realm is true in the greater realm in terms of each individual maximizing their potential. We're born an individual. We have to strive to accomplish what we need as individuals. And we have to believe, as we say in the ashray every day, that you, God, the eyes of man are on you. And you give each person their food, not only in their time, but you give each person what they need. And therefore, if a person has emuna in the first of the Ten Commandments, it's a healthy way to keep and to abstain from the Tenth Commandment, which too often can take hold of too many of us. A fresh look at the Ten Commandments makes our life much more meaningful. Shabbat Shalom to all.